Hello, everyone on the internet. Welcome to another episode of the Null and Void podcast, where our insanity is your hilarity. I'm Tristan. I'm Aaron. Emmanuel. All right, boys, it's been a while since we've done an episode, but I'll spearhead today's episode by talking about something that will definitely impact us in the future for the better or for worse. Algorithms. Oh, boy. So when I personally think of algorithms, I think of a private set of numbers or other things that allows us to see what we see on the internet and algorithms play to what we like more than what we dislike. That's personally my general take on what algorithms are. Uh, what type of knowledge do you guys have on algorithms? The YouTube algorithm. That's about right. Honestly, same here. Mainly YouTube. Some Twitch, but mainly YouTube. Yeah. People mostly like to like meme when it comes to the uh, YouTube algorithm. So uh, before like we talk about the entire uh, spectrum of algorithms, I want to pre preface this question. I'll ask it again at the end. But do you think, from, from your knowledge, do you think the positives outweigh the negatives and uh, why? Well, I think generally algorithms are pretty helpful. But there's like this question of, uh, I guess, uh, privacy, because they kind of like learn like what you're like, what you're into, like what you what you look at pretty much. So it's helpful, but it is uh, kind of morally gray at times. I got to agree. It's very like down the middle. You kind of just got to pick your poison. You either go with it or you don't. So uh, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about something that's definitely going to impact us when we create more content. The YouTube algorithm. So. Uh, what do you personally, I'm going to start off with what do you guys know about the YouTube algorithm? Or just like anything like a, a generalization of what the YouTube algorithm is? Well, I'm not really sure what it goes off of anymore, but I know that they've made like changes over like the years to like quote unquote, like make it more optimal. But um, I feel like generally it's helpful. I, I find lots of content that I usually am into, but I don't know. I can't really say because I don't really know how it works. So uh, yeah, I agree. I personally think that the, the, the thing that reveals the YouTube algorithm to the public is, you know, when you open YouTube, you have the underneath the search bar, you see like a bunch of like topics of like videos you watch. Like, I'm not going to say what I have, but let's just say I have like NBA, Pokemon, Animal Crossing, saxophone, Nintendo, stuff like those, like general topics. If you click one of them, it shows different videos. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. At least if you're on a desk like desktop or like PC. It doesn't show on mobile, but like when you, if you watch a video on mobile and you scroll down and you see like the recommended videos underneath, that's when you see that same uh, search bar that I'm talking about. Yeah, I think I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. So uh, regarding the YouTube algorithm, uh, YouTube writes on their how YouTube quote, how YouTube works page. And I quote, at YouTube search, we prioritize three main elements to provide the best search results, relevance, engagement and, and quality. To estimate relevance, we look into many factors such as how well the title, tags, description, and video content match your qu search query. Engagement signals are a valuable way to determine relevance. Determine relevance. We incorporate aggregate uh, engagement signals from users, i.e. we may look at the watch time of a particular video for a particular query to determine if the video is considered relevant to the query by other users. Finally, for quality, our systems are designed to identify signals that can help determine which channels demonstrate expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness on a given topic, end quote. I personally feel like this pretty much just says how the algorithm works, but I feel like there's more to the algorithm than just those three elements. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Uh, yeah, for sure. There's like a lot more elements that go, that make up the algorithm, but that's about like, right like usually they look at watch time 
interaction like commenting and liking and sharing stuff like that for sure there's like more elements but that's about like surface level that's i think it's pretty much correct yeah those are the brass tacks details yeah i i also like think like it's more towards like how we interact with the video in a way like mm-hmm. let and like when they uh implemented the joining a membership program and they have like all your individual perks so i guess like the way you interact uh, is somewhat like is a way of uh seeing like what you see on the internet especially with youtube now uh speaking about what you want to see let's shift over to another impact of algorithms to other media platforms let's go to a um, an app that most people have in their phone spotify <clears throat> one way i see the algorithm on spotify is uh when you open the app uh you can see the songs that you downloaded and then albums or artists you've listened to. And then the apps recommend you curated playlists made by the company to what you listen and recommend other and, and also recommend other artists within that realm. However, the algorithm also kind of has a problem with it. So this is where I wanted to mention, uh, there's a project called live Two. uh, first of all, have you guys ever heard of uh, live Two or like the project? No, not really. Nah, that's unfamiliar to me. All right. So, uh, Live 2 was created by a former USC student, uh, McLean Portis. Uh, I think he's a student, sorry. Uh, McLean Portis. Uh, he uses the internet to help unknown artists turn into trending artists. He had success on TikTok when it came to making more artists known. And then when the COVID-19 pandemic started, um, he had to put it to a stop and he curated the Art Not Algorithms playlist. Um, in a video, he uploaded to his Instagram page at live to create TWO. Um, create. Mm-hmm. He mentioned that 40,000 songs are uploaded daily and about 100 are good to make the viral charts and 99 songs are lost within the internet. I wanted to take, I wanted to, uh, your take on how the music industry, uh, on the music industry and how algorithms play into um, <clears throat> their career. Uh, do you guys think it's a matter of having the right, the quote, right song to make it to the charts to make that uh, algorithm to be trending? Yeah. Or do you think it's a matter of how many songs an artist should produce to become trending? I'm not sure if it's a thing of like the right song because I'm pretty sure there are good musicians out there who haven't been discovered yet. So um, I think it's more a thing of like exposure because uh, somebody could be releasing like lots of songs consistently and not get as many like listens as they probably deserve. Or somebody could come out with like one song. It's really good. And like nobody listens to it because it's like their first song. So I guess it's really of um, getting them into like the public eye, like initially, and then them taking off from there. Uh, I would have to agree. It's mainly about exposure because you can put out a lot of songs, but unless you're telling people you put out music and where they can find it, that's going to generally affect how your listening rates go. Yeah. Sorry. I I remember I was like reading through the... um the story about live two and also like the art not algorithms algorithms playlist. And, um, there's, there's like this, there's a uh, charts for, uh, one, two, three, four songs that was uh, promoted by McLean. And he like, there's this one song called nobody came to my party. Uh, it first came out, uh, like there was like no listens, like about roughly <clears throat> about a hundred, like 500 listens in like March, 2020 and then by mid-may early june it spiked to almost eighteen thousand likes so it's more i feel like it's more of a matter like again exposure um and like you know sharing it with all your friends and 
they they share it with their friends and so on and so forth. So it kind of creates like this uh, domino effect in a way. So yeah. do you think that um, when this domino effect happens, it um, impacts other Spotify users who's not within that friend range? I mean, it affects them in the sense that you're getting like more listens, but I don't know if it affects them directly, but I, I guess it kind of in a way does have like a small like say in their position on the website or the app, I guess. I would have to say it does, but in a way it's basically a necessary evil and going off of it, it's not really a terrible thing. Like from what you demonstrated him telling like an artist telling their friend and that friend telling another it's again, exposure and it will, it will affect another artist. But at the same time, the other artists can do the same thing and the rate might be the same or different. It just depends on how much exposure they get. I wanted to shift gears when it comes to um, uh, what it called? when it comes to algorithms. And we, we talked about um, YouTube and Spotify, but I kind of wanted to uh, shift to uh, social media. In this case, we're going to talk about Google and Facebook. We're going to start with Facebook first off, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, and how it regards to privacy, like uh, Emmanuel uh, talked about it like early on in this episode. So um, let, let me give you guys an example. So let's say that we're texting each other in our group chat on Messenger, and we're, we're talking about uh, a new booster set for the Pokemon TCG trading card game. And it came out, and one of us wanted to buy some boxes for it, <clears throat> Emmanuel. Uh, the next day, you go to another you go to another website to do some work, and then you see an ad for the same box that we were talking about that day before this can this also can be a result of cookies on the internet uh this term cookies but it's also something that facebook does called trading so i wanted to know uh you guys are familiar with what cookies are um on like the internet right yeah definitely all right so um for those who listen like can you guys explain what cookies are well isn't it like uh i don't know if it exactly says they like track your um what you're searching or not but they like take note of it. Like they like, just like a cookie, it leaves like crumbs over, I guess. Like, so they know like what you're like looking into. It's uh, basically a breadcrumb trail. Like they'll find their way back to what it is you looked up. I wanted to know, like, did you guys know like what Facebook, like trading, like what uh, trading is in terms of um, uh, advertising when it comes to media advertising? Mm, somewhat. Like I know they, uh, they use like, what we put out there, be it like posting or like messaging. I know they like take that and like give us like, I guess more related ads to whatever we're talking about. So like, I know like it happens, but I'm not super sure what it actually is. Yeah. I more or less understand the process cause I researched this on my own time, but basically every time we, uh, post something or even search something on Google or YouTube, the people behind these uh, search engines, they collect data on whatever it is we searched about and sell that data to advertisers. Then we get more ads for the stuff we look towards. Yeah, you guys definitely just hit it straight on the nail uh, in b- both of your guys' definitions about it. Um, So Facebook takes whatever, inf- like the information, they don't take... Uh, um, names or address look addresses or I think IP address addresses I'm not sure about uh, that but they take like information like we've posted 
and they give those to um, advertise third-party advertisers in in exchange for money, and they can post whatever ads they want on our thing. Do you guys think it's pretty much uh, ethical to like say like whatever information that we're posting is straight up? You know, Facebook can take that uh, for their own personal gain for money, and they can post our ads to what we have talked about. Well, I'm not like exactly sure, but there's a good chance like that stuff is disclosed in like their terms and agreement when you sign up. So it might just be a case of like people not reading it, but which, you know, is pretty, uh, pretty common, but also I don't think um, it's exactly a bad thing because it just, it's kind of helpful at times. So it's kind of my take on it. Yeah, for one, no one has ever read terms and conditions. Even the people who write them, they don't read them. They just make sure like it's law abiding and such. But uh, to say what I said earlier about necessary evils, this is kind of the thing that they need to do in order to make their services free. In other words, we're going to have to pay for things like Facebook and YouTube and such. And yeah, I don't true. think anyone's ready to use, do that yet. So if, let's, if they take your information right and they show it, you're completely fine with that in a way? Well, generally, yeah, because it's mainly for, like, advertising. It's, like, I mean, if they do it for anything else, which I don't know if they do, but if they do, then it's kind of messed up. But if it's just, like, for advertising, I don't think it's, like, too bad. Yeah, I think if it's for advertising, all is good. But if I find something else that's not related to advertising, I'm going to be a bit concerned. There's definitely, like, that small, I'm going to say, like, roughly about 25% of things we like we see on the internet. It's, like wait we didn't search this and like we know like the moment you log into a website like the first thing you see on the bottom of the screen is decline accept and they talk about cookies right yeah um and then like this also like goes off uh, what i wanted to talk about with how um with google and there was a a podcast uh, that came out a couple years back by um siva i'm so gonna butcher this last name i'm so sorry um siva vaidhyanathan I butchered that. Um, the podcast was titled "The Googleization of Everything." And first of all, I just wanted to know: do Do you guys know what the definition of Googleization means? No, not really. I feel like I heard it in one of my classes and forgot about it. All right, so pretty much, um, Googleization kind of just like references. It's like how um, that like all our information is processed through um the that the systems that Google has, and um. The algorithms that Google has, like it processes that even before like we we know technically. Mm-hmm. So like when I was listening to it, I'm just gonna call you uh, call this guy by his first name Siva just because it's easier. Um, he described Google as omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. Um, just uh, it just shows how Google is like pretty much an entire factor in our lives in one way or another. If you think about it, mm-hmm. like. I could speak for myself that I use Chrome and other Google services like Gmail, even YouTube, and like Google Drive. Yeah, like Google we all, Drive. we yeah, we use that all the time. I know like some like uh, companies use Google Calendar, Google Maps, of course. How do I oh, not yeah. think of that? Google Maps, and then like Translate, and then like Google has like their own phone. I think it's called like the Pixel or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it just shows it has so much power, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. we. We search a lot of things on Google and whatever we search also influences what we see in a way, Mm -hmm. because in a matter of seconds, it shows us millions upon millions of results. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of wanted to get your guys take on how 
like whatever you search on Google is um, definitely can influence what you see on the internet. Well, I guess that type of power comes with, um, you know, they own like a good portion of, I guess, uh, domains on the internet. So it's pretty, it's not too like hard to see why like that would be the case. Mm, I don't really have the words for it. I would just say this is kind of to be expected, especially when you're like one of the top search engines in the world. Yeah, I mean, after all, when people say to look something up, they usually say just to Google it. So, you know, it's like the most yeah. common one. Yeah, that is the most common result. No uh, one uses no people say, Yeah, no, or ask.com. <laughs> what a throw. <laughs> remember ask.com? Wow. Yeah, I remember that. Jeez, Damn, that now I feel that. old. Yeah, dude, me too. Anyway, so uh, now that we've covered algorithms, I kind of wanted to repeat the question. Uh, I'll end it on this. Like, I wanted to repeat the question that I asked earlier. Do Does the positives outweigh the negatives and why after this entire discussion? Well, like I said, if it's like, if they take your information, like just for advertising purposes, I don't think it's too bad because generally it makes your life a lot more convenient in a way. Like you see stuff that you would be interested in. So in that regard, I think it's pretty good. But then again, they're like selling your information to like third party companies or whatever. And that can get kind of gray in its own right. So it's like a mix of both, but it's like helpful. You can't deny that it does have its benefits. Yeah, it's very much the middle ground. Like on one hand, you're getting a lot more out of it just for doing it. But on the other hand, it is a bit concerning if things happen to get out of hand. And really, you kind of got to go about it this one method if you don't want to deal with it at all and that's just stop using google social media you basically have to give up the internet as a whole yeah pretty much yeah and that's definitely a hard thing that uh people kind of can and can't do in a way because we we pretty much just live in a digitized digitized society now and with everything going on currently in the world we're always we're always like oh we're more depending on it now yeah we're more we're like more technologically dependent if Especially the internet now, ever yeah. crashes, we're all screwed. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Eric, Emmanuel and Aaron, by the way, for uh, talking about uh, algorithms and how it impacts with this crazy life that we live. And uh, thank you for listening to the episode of no, the No Void Podcast. I'm Tristan. I'm Aaron. Emmanuel. And we'll see you next time. Peace, love, and hair grease.